Do you feel like you're on media overload and it's starting to impact your mental health? While access to information is great, just like food, too much can be a bad thing. On this edition of Health Styles, Mike Tozer, licensed clinical professional counselor, is back to talk about how media can adversely affect our mental and even physical health. We'll be right back after this. Having a trusted source of health care that's on your side. That's listening to you and addressing your health concerns is important. When you get excellent care close to home, we can do more together. We can achieve more together. We can be the kind of community we all want, and that's important. That's who we are. Sarah Bush Lincoln, trusted, compassionate care, right here, close to home. Welcome to Health Styles, presented by Sarah Bush Lincoln. I'm your host, Lori Banks. Mike Tozer is with me today, and this time we're talking about the stress of media and how it can impact our mental health. That media can come from many sources, television, of course, social media, radio, etc. Mike, let's start by defining what exactly is news. I didn't know it actually is an acronym for something. Well, until recently... Lori, I think I'm probably like most people in that I didn't really understand. I didn't even know it was an acronym. So when I when I looked it up, and I looked it up because I had to do a presentation about um, what we're talking about today. So I found out that news stands for notable events, weather, sports. Well, I think that when it was originally, you know, defined or what, they set it up to be like it is much different what they consider news now really is not considered news 30 years ago or so i mean i think that they weren't there's not like a i guess notable events tends to be very subjective more these days but it it's more so that you hear the news cycle, and the and the cycle seems to have decreased over time. And where this becomes significant is there's there's this advent of all these different cable news networks. Well, people tend to keep them on in the background a lot, or have them on their media feeds, their social media feeds. So they're so they're either hearing it all day long or they're getting notified, you know, all day long. And over time, that really does matter because the, quote, notable events that we are identifying are what we call outrage events. In other words, how can we convey the biggest outrage these days instead of news? Because in all reality, news is boring. It's supposed to be boring. <laughs> you know, we were chatting before we did this about like, if you mentioned Walter Cronkite, only people oh, <laughs> probably about, <laughs> but I remember sitting around, you know, as a kid with my parents and they would watch the evening news and I'd be like, God, this is so boring, but that's what news was meant to be. It's not, but that's not the way, that's not what we consider it. So the reason that it becomes so significant to know that is because of 
all of the information that comes in that like it's outrage, which anything that we find to be an outrage, we tend to have get wound up, so to speak, Mm -hmm. like our, you know, blood pressure tends to go up. Our heart beats a little bit faster. Like, but the thing that goes with that is that you have that kind of up and down roller coaster thing. You get outraged, then you come down, and then the next notification comes, and you get outraged. So, and then you come down. So you're you're going through this roller coaster, and it may you may not register with you, you know, cognitively, but physiologically, there are things that do go on in the background, and that we're not really being aware of, but you do that day in and day out it will it starts to have an impact on some people especially people that are already prone to things like anxiety and depression um people that you the users of social media or media uh two hours a day two hours or more a day they report increases of depressive and anxiety symptoms uh, problems with sleep delay and insomnia. Some of that has to do with like keeping it in the bedroom. You know, people are looking at it, reading stuff, getting notifications as they're laying in bed. So you were finding more sleep problems, insomnia. Um, so it's, you know, we have that going on. Adolescents, we've seen a 25% increase in suicide rates in the last three to four years. And the one thing, and I kind of giggle at this, but it's very real, the increased anxiety is also coming from the term FOMO. <laughs> for those of who for those of you who didn't know like I did for a little while, FOMO is fear of missing out. We used to talk I used to talk about that to college students when they were struggling with you know, binge drinking or whatever, I would call it, you don't, you know, you don't want to miss it. Like you don't know what it is, but you sure you you don't want to miss it because when somebody talks about being where it was and you weren't there, then you feel <laughs> like you were left out or like you missed something. So that's, that's something more and more with social media and media in general that people want to stay connected because they are afraid they're going to miss something. Well, if you're constantly on alert, that's going to create, again, more physiological reactions, which over time creates anxiety, you know, mood issues, sleep problems, even dietary problems. Like when you're not having good sleep, we tend to know that people with poorer sleep tend to have higher rates of obesity. So, you know, all of these things are happening because we've gotten so engaged and so involved in wanting to know what the next outrage is, wanting to be alerted to, you know, the most up-to-date stuff. But in reality, if you think about it, If you spend about 30 minutes in a day on social media or listening to the, quote, news, like, there's nothing new after that for about 12 to 24 hours. It's just the same thing regurgitated in different ways. You shared something with me earlier called the 99-1 rule. What is that? 
So we find that in like any social network or online community like Facebook or Twitter or Reddit or um, other ones that really about 1% of the users generate about 90% of the content. All right. So that kind of dispels the, the, the myth that everybody out there is like being difficult or being crazy or like being awful. But the reality is that about 1% of them is generating 90% of the content. And what we find is that um, with that content, what we also find is, is that about 10% of the people, it's about 10% of the people that are paying attention to the content and responding whereas 90% of the people are pretty much just silent observers. So it, you, we think that everybody out there is creating this vitriol and like posting stuff and whatever, but in reality, it's more like about 10%. You've got the 1% creating it, the 10% responding to it, and the 90% just kind of sitting back and reading and listening. Well, I think you can see that happening when you look at your own social media feeds. There are always some people that post and comment way more than others. Yeah, and the, and if you do do that, if you would eat, just go through your own feeds and do something like that, these statistics pro bear out that, pretty much bear that out. In your practice today, are you seeing more people that come in and talk about the impact that media is having on their lives in terms of their stress and anxiety levels? It's it's increased over time, obviously, as there's been more technology, more platforms uh, and things like this. Obviously, nobody anticipated something that has happened, you know, the pandemic and the last. There was no anticipation with that. So things like this seem to have like up the ante or created more um, platforms like people are, you know, some there, there's a few, a little more creation of those things, but people are talking about, and I've heard, I've heard it. Like I'm so tired of hearing this stuff. I'm so tired when I look on Facebook or I'm so tired when I get on Twitter, or I'm so tired you know, with my Snapchat, like, you know, of of hearing all of this stuff, of seeing people arguing, of seeing all of this horrible, awful news. And so my obvious first question is, is why do you keep? <laughs> why do you keep doing it? Looking at it, don't read it. You know, it's, it's easier said than done, though. And, and, that, and the response is it does, for, for some people, it goes back to, the FOMO thing, they, they've gotten so used to seeing stuff that they feel like they're going to miss out on something important. And that's just some of it. Others, you know, others do like to read stuff and they do want to try to find out information that's genuine or real, but it's hard to sift through all of that sometimes. But it's like any other thing. It's like, why do we have a hard time dieting? Like, why do we have a hard time changing our food choices? Well, because we get into habits that we just don't think about. It becomes routine. You know, we just be, we just kind of settle in and just do the same thing over and over until it becomes life-threatening 
or becomes so uncomfortable that it interferes with certain aspects of your life. And this is no different than like wanting to diet and lose weight. Like you do have to make some changes with it. Well, I've seen the term attention diet, so it's not mine per se. Like it's, I didn't create, I didn't come up. (laughs) I'd like to act like I did, but you know, I, I throughout researching things on this, I found, I found the, the term attention diet. You can think of it as a mental diet. You know, I, there was that, I don't that shirt that had mental floss, you know, that had the person with the flosser going through their ears. Like, so you can think of it in terms of that. Like we have to determine what we're going to focus our attention on, put our mental energy into and what we're going to not put it into. Mm -hmm. So the, you know, the mental diet, you're, what you're paying attention to is something that's the best way to to begin to change some of this. Okay, so what are some of the strategies that you suggest? So I when I talk to when I talk to clients that come into my office, I talk to them about like what would seem to be a reasonable amount of time to limit yourself to these things. First of all, actually what I do is I say get out your phone and Tell me what, how much screen time (laughs) (laughs) and and what you're focused on. Mm -hmm. So we can get an idea of it because there are, I mean, we, Facebook seems to have the biggest amount of conflict. That and Twitter are the two, like where you'll see the most, where you'll see a lot of the nastiness go on and you'll see a lot of people that's where most of their time is spent with social media um, plus texting so I I have them give it out and I say okay so let's what's going to be more reasonable amount of time to spend on and everybody has that initial like oh I don't know what I can give up because we haven't gotten to the point or we haven't thought about like the alternatives to doing things like that which we'll talk about in a moment so we got to limit the amount of distractions we I talk to them, honestly, about 30 minutes a day is plenty. And they say what to you? Oh, I get this, first I get this just blank stare <laughs> and this kind of almost look of terror sometimes with people, are, you know, they're like, well, how am I supposed to do that? You have to scroll really fast. So that's when I say, okay, it's like any other goal that we set, like, we maybe nego- you know we maybe talk about what seems to be reasonable or doable at this point in time but the idea is to get people engaged in doing something different or reducing or behavior change so you can gain confidence and you can gain motivation with it so you do have to limit like whether it's time whether it's the amount of um the amount of platforms the amount of media that you're looking at so you, you, you basically you're just like a food diet. You're consuming less calories with the, uh, t- with the mental or attention diet. You're consuming less information and you just have to start to do it like you would with a doctor. Like what's the best place to start? So that's one of it. Um, you want to try to look for quality over quantity with that. It's like, 
what seems to be the one that provides you good information or to keep you in the loop, but also brings about the less anxiety, the less outrage, the, you know, things that don't get you so fired up all the time. So you, you go through and say, you know, what would that be? And you can't really, there's not really things that you can say exactly that will work for everybody. You have to kind of tailor it to, because some people may say, well, I want to keep Facebook. And then you're like, okay, so what are you going to, what are we really, what are you going to pay attention to while you're on there? Like, how often are you going to respond? You know, that kind of thing. Like, so it's not just a clear cut, like, these are the best things to do, the best sites to go to. It's more of kind of a negotiation of like how you're going to do it, how often you're going to do it, how you're going to respond, that, those kinds of things. Um, honestly, like if you're on social media and following certain needs, there's really no needs to have CNN or Fox News in the background all day long. <laughs> I, I tell people what I tell people is take a week and don't have it on at all or and people like I can't do a week and I say all right do it for 24 or 48 hours because it's all it it's basically the same information recycled in most places um, now that's an overgeneralization and oversimplification but as a general as a general rule, we see people like media platforms borrow from news outlets and all of that type of thing. But news outlets are really what I hear more of and see more that has a bigger impact because it is that like the people yelling and, and people get into yeah. that and they get into that and they get fired up. And mm -hmm. so I tell them I would, you know, I talk to them about maybe you should unfollow that at least for now or for a while. Um, and get rid of the friends <laughs> on Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and all these others that aren't enhancing your life. You know, that aren't helping you grow as a person or support you, you know. I've had lots of people say, I didn't realize how many people I wouldn't miss. <laughs> but 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 that's that's the feedback I get is that I thought I couldn't do or I thought I couldn't get rid of certain people. And once they did, they, they found, they're like, wow. Most people, most people don't even realize that you do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, and that's one of the concerns people have. Well, w what happens if they see that I'm not their friend anymore, or I'm not following them anymore? And I'm like, well, they're too busy posting stuff to be provocative or whatever that they really don't notice it most of the time. Most people don't get responded to in that way. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you Again, finding good sources of information, and that can be relative. I mean, ha I mean, let's be honest. We all know that there are things that are more left and more right or more extreme or, or less extreme. You know, we know, know those things, 
I mean, and I'm not going to go into it because it's not my place to talk about that kind of stuff. But we're all pretty aware of like what gets things going. But we have to, we do have to be willing to, this is the hard part. We do have to be willing to look for other points of view and read about them and consider them, even if we don't believe them. I mean, I'll, I'll say what I tell my psych class when we first start talking about psychology and, you know, research and all that stuff. Belief does not equal truth. That's why they do research. <laughs> and belief is just belief. So we have to be cautious about how we read about beliefs, how we talk about beliefs. Like there's nothing wrong with, with well, let me rephrase that. We all have our own beliefs and okay, that's fine. And that's not what's at question. It's like, how are we going to communicate those things? What do we want to listen to? And we do have to entertain some other ideas just um, because we have, you know, in order to have some emotional health, you have to be open to other things. It just can't be one way all the time. And um, it's hard for people. Most of the people say, well, try to have a dialogue and try to present alternative points of views to people who don't believe with way. The thing about that is, is there's too much research out there that shows when you do that, it just digs people in more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that strategy doesn't really work. Um, it, I saw something the other day with something this person does when people um, on their Twitter feed, like makes a really bad comment to them or like really is, puts them down. They start to compliment that other person. <laughs> and it was funny because there were some screenshots about how those conversations went. And it's funny towards the end of the conversation, you see the person that, you know, started all of that said, hey, I'm kind of sorry, but thank you, you know, for our conversation, that kind of stuff. So we do have to step outside our own comfort zones and stop pointing our fingers at others saying you're the one that's wrong. And we do have to sometimes be willing to entertain other ideas, be kind to other people, that kind of thing, in order for us to change how we feel. A couple of other strategies you have here. Check your email twice a day. Do you mean your personal email or your work email? Talking about personal. Okay, personal email. And I'm talking about not responding to your emails, your work emails at home. Oh, and vice, yeah, okay. <laughs> and vice versa. Not because the other the other strategy is is like when you're at work, leave your phone out of work, uh -huh. and when you're at home, leave your phone out of the bedroom or leave your phone out of work. Mm -hmm. Like I hear all kinds of excuses about, like, well, I have to do this and I have to do that. <clears throat> about ninety percent of us don't really. We're not as important as we find ourselves <laughs> to be. Um, I get, you know, there are certain there are certain professions that call for that, but for some of us, we can make choices around that and um, start to limit some of that. And when you do that, it leaves more time for activities that are really more meaningful and impactful. Yeah, there's an 80-20 principle that I talk about, 
And that is, if you spend 80% of your time on the most important things, the top one or two things in your life, instead of trying to, trying to do um, 80% on 10 of the things, most of the things that we have in our life, we have ideas about what we want to do in our life and, and goals that we have to enhance our life. If we would spend 80% of our time on those top one or two things instead of on the other seven or eight or whatever, like doing like little choice or meaningless little things that we think need to be done, like I have to get that load of laundry done versus I have to spend time reading something that will help me choose a career or enhance or get to a goal that I have. Those are the types of things that I talk about with people is like, really look at where you're spending your time. <laughs> you know, does do these things enhance you? Do they help you grow? Do they help you feel better? You know, do they give you purpose and meaning? I'm used to hearing a lot of people tell me like they just don't have the time or they just can't do those things. But until you really take the time to challenge yourself or have somebody help you walk through that, you don't really know. You know, you don't really know what can be eliminated. So, and how you can spend your time elsewhere. And that's something I do every day with people is help them make those determinations. Thank you again, Mike, for sharing your insight and some great strategies. It's always fun to talk with you. So to recap the attention diet, Mike recommends eliminating the information and relationships that don't add anything to your life. Consider what is worth paying attention to. It's about quality over quantity. Mike recommends finding good sources of information and limiting your media consumption to 30 minutes a day. Finally, separate work emails and personal emails and not bring one into the other. That's our show for this week. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll know when new programs are available. And to learn more about Sarah Bush Lincoln, please visit our website at sarahbush.org.